This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Welcome to the Full Blast Podcast. I'm Jeff Fader. And before we get into it with Benjamin, come on. Let's talk about a few sponsors. Okay, guys? Full, um, the first one is Axe Wax. Axe Wax is an all-natural food-safe wax for your axe, for your handles. I just carved up some spoons that I'm taking with me to Spain. And I used Axe Wax to seal them. They're going to be cooking spoons, and I'm glad I'm going to be, I used Axe Wax all-natural food-safe. It's good enough for the stuff that you're going to eat, and that's good that there's nothing icky in them. It's sealed that stuff great. And I used it for my knives, for oyster knives I'm just finishing up, and stainless carbon, all that stuff. Definitely use Axe Wax. And if you go to axewax.us, put in promo code FULLBLAST10, you will get 10% off your order. And it's great stuff. And I'll tell you what, if you're in the UK, go to UKKnifesupplies.com. They're taking Full Blast 10. If you're in the EU, Keith Colby's taking it at knifematerial.at. He's taking Full Blast 10. And if you're in Australia, go to nordicedge.com.au. They're taking Full Blast 10. And my boys at Gamaco. Corn and the boys are taking full blast 10. If you go to artisans, artisansupplies.com.au. Go check that out and get yourself some Axe Wax. You get 10% off. So I mean, what's the big deal, all right? Next thing is, is Total Boat, guys. Total Boat is a company that started making adhesives and waxes, and they started to make two-part epoxies and stuff for boaters and DIYers. And what they decided was is that so, there's so many DIYers not making boats who could benefit from using the stuff from Total Boat. And it's true. All these makers like Jimmy Duresta, Keith Decent, Derek from Alden, Keith Johnson, Keith Mitchell, all those guys are using Total Boat. The two-part epoxy is great. I just use the two-part epoxy to use for handle scales. And it, the pump system is really good because you can, you can measure it out for enough for one, you know, do one pump each and then all of a sudden you got like you know a quarter quart of epoxy it's perfectly it's perfect for a small amount and a big amount i love the the uv cure uh you use a little bit of that to fill holes and then you hit it with the uv light uh and it's it's dynamite stuff and i tell you if you want to talk strength i mean <laughs> Woby design took uh some skateboards cut them up and put and put used uh the two-part epoxy to uh, hold them all together made a made a bicycle rode down the street in the bicycle and it's all held by Total Boat. So if it's good enough for him, it's good enough for you. So go to TotalBoat.com, put in promo code FULLBLAST10. You're going to get 10% off all your Total Boat stuff. And definitely check it out. And they're great skies. They, they, they all go to all the makers' events, and they're very close with the maker community. Uh, they have a good sense of humor. They just did this funny video about, uh, you know, their, 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 their waxes and stuff like that. And go check them out. They're, 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 they're good guys. So thank you once again, Total Boat. And then I want to just another thank you to my friends over at Trojan Horse Forge. They make the THF Stable Rail Knife Finishing Vice. It's a beautiful vice. This thing is unbelievable. Every knife that comes out of my shop goes on that vice twice. I'll tell you how it goes on twice. They have a system where you can hand sand your knives. So they have like a plate that bolts on. It fits into your regular vise, and then it bolt, bolts on. And then if you have a distal taper, it supports a distal taper. If you have a uh, if you have an integral bolster, it you can set it out so you can sub sub set the, the integral bolster, and it's a really great thing. And then when you're doing your handle, it, it has rubber backing so you can put your knife in there tight. And then you can spin it around. It has the, all these. It's just, it's probably one of the most 
uh, user-friendly pieces I've gotten, and they sent it in a bomb-proof case, and this thing is dynamite. And they just wanted to let me know that they're taking orders. They're taking batch orders. So you would be crazy not to get the uh, stable rail knife-finishing vise from Trojan Horse Forge. Go to TrojanHorseForge.com. They also have uh, payment options. So if you don't want to just put it all out in the first place, they can give you payment options. And once again, those guys are dynamite, and they're, they're really a great part of the knife-making community, and this product is really something special. And with that said, I want to talk to my my guest now is someone I've been wanting to talk to for a long time. I've been working on him for quite a while because I, he's a little nervous about his English, but I just talked to him for 10 minutes, and trust me, his English is better than mine. <laughs> Benjamin Camon. Some people call him Cayman. He says it doesn't matter. But I'm, he told me, come on, so I'm going to go come on, is here with me, come on knives, one of the most innovative designers of culinary, high-performance chef knives on the market today. Ben, how are you? Thanks, Jeff. I'm good. <laughs> Very excited to be on, and thanks for the invitation. <laughs> oh, it's my, yeah, you know I've been working on you for a while. Yeah, I know. I was a little hesitant. And, you, <laughs> and I appreciate, I appreciate your faith. I appreciate your faith and I appreciate your, your flexibility. And I appreciate the fact that, I mean, you're living in Austria, you're in Austria right now. So yeah. I know that's a little bit late for you. So I appreciate your flexibility and I'm just, I'm just thrilled to talk to you. And I know that a lot of my listeners are really thrilled to talk to you that I'm talking to you as well. Yeah, no problem. I mean, anytime. So, <laughs> um, for full blast, I'm making the time anytime. <laughs> oh man, you're the man. You're my guy. Man. You're the unbelievable. I, the interesting thing about your knives is when I, I I spent some time really kind of looking through your work, and I reference it a lot on Knife Talk. I reference it a lot on Full Blast in regards to the design decisions that you've taken are so simple but at the same at the same time everything is so purposeful i put your work in the same vein as don Nguyen. i think about don Nguyen and your knives in terms of like this very very uh thoughtful design decisions how did you kind of get started in knife making Poo, uh that's a long Let's story. Go, I mean, don't, uh, don't I, worry, we got a lot, plenty of time. <laughs> I take a lot, a lot of inspira inspiration from Don. So um, I think he's a great maker, and his his designs are great. Um, so I, I appreciate that uh, a lot. Um, other than that, I was interested in knives since I was a little boy because of my dad mainly. Um, he always had some folding knives and stuff like that. He showed me how to sharpen them. Uh, pretty early and I, um, I've got my first hunting knife I don't know I was a little boy <laughs> hurt me with it immediately but that's another story it, it, so. what happened tell me the story what happened Let's so hear it. he he he, he um, built it from an existing knife where the tip was broke so he reground okay. it made made it a, a little hunting knife and so he made the handle shorter as well and gifted me the thing so and and I was I, I would have to lie, but I was maybe seven, eight, and I wanted to check how sharp it is, uh, and and secretly uh, went into my uh, um, uh, into my room and uh, chipped away on the on the wooden bed of my of my <laughs> you know and, on the side of the bed. Yeah, you started yeah, hacking yeah, away yeah, at your yeah, bed yeah, yeah, like like a moron, and <laughs> I, I had my my finger across the board, you know, and. Obviously, I chopped a part of my finger uh, 
not not off, but it was hanging there, and and I didn't cry because I was I was so anxious. He would take it, the, the knife away from me. Yeah, right. So I put the finger in my mouth, sucking all the blood, <laughs> yeah. swallowing it, and 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 just was scared uh, how to you know tell my my parents. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I then told them I, I, I couldn't even remember any consequences, so it wasn't that bad. I, I kept the knife too. I think they kind of just told me not to do that again. <laughs> I don't know that part. Maybe I was just so in shock. I mean, it really was um, my my index finger. It was it was it was hanging off a little. How just I mean, how much? No, no. I mean, no, I, I cut through the nail. So half okay. half of the nail, the nail, and the first few millimeters were hanging down. So I, I have the scar. Even now. that's a that's a very common story. I mean, it happened to me is I have, when I was a little boy, I got the Rambo hunting knife, and then I was at my grandparents' house, and my grandfather said that he thought that I was too young to have it, and my mother was like, "Oh, he'll be fine." And then <laughs> I grabbed a tree branch as if it was like a head to scalp. And then I plunged the knife into my knee. Oh, and I remember feeling the first thing I think of was, they're going to take this away from me. Yeah. And just like you. And I ran to the bathroom. I sat in the bathroom with all, I used all the toilet paper in the bathroom to kind of like stop the bleeding. And then they were saying, oh, Jeffrey, it's time for dinner. And I'm like, oh, I'll be there in a minute. I'm, meanwhile, I have like all the toilet paper in the whole bathroom around my knee. And all I can think of is they're going to take the knife away from me. Not that, you know, I've punctured my knee or anything like that. And that's something that I think young boys have that, that it's more of it's you're the fear of it being taken away rather than I'm in pain here. I, I really did something bad. I need to go to the hospital. Yeah, I mean, it's a toy, and, you know, the toys only get bigger when the boys get bigger, so... I know, I know. <laughs> but, so, yeah. but what did your father, what did your father do um, for a living? Uh, he was an electrician, but he was, he was a pretty, pretty, a pretty talented craftsman, generally. So he did work with wood a lot, he, um, I don't know, he, he built a house, or, or renovated a house, uh, pretty much on its own, so... Um, he did pretty much everything and and every, everything uh, quite good. So That's, not perfect, you know, like a trained uh, professional right. would do. But I, I was always impressed and looking looking up to him. So yeah, and and uh, but he was always interested in knives, and that probably came from my grandfather, from his father, uh, because he was a, a carpenter. Or, or trained carpenter. He later worked in construction, but he was a trained carpenter and uh, always had a lot of woodworking tools and 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 had uh, and sharpened them himself. And so I, I think that's where my father picked it up originally. So you you fall into the the same very similar to a lot of people where like you're you're, you're seeing this at a young age and then you're just kind of trying to get into it. At what point do you kind of decide that you're going to make your own knives? Um, I mean, we we when when friends were in our house, we my father built a forge. Um, just oh for, really? Yeah, just for a hobby, um, like um, uh, doing some stuff at the house and uh, ornamental blacksmithing, but just as a hobby, you know. And uh, we we built a dagger. I don't know. It was two or three friends of mine. They were, they stayed over uh, the weekend with us, 
and we built a dagger, but from mild steel. And so um, there is no clear um, transition where I decided to do that. It was kind, of, it, it was kind of always there. There. Um, what were some of the things that he liked to make? Um, what was the what the, was the impetus? Behind? I mean, you're a carpenter and stuff like that. When is the impetus behind making you know getting a forge together? This is probably like in the in the eighties, right? Mm, no, I'm 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 born eighty eight. I mean, it was it was more like ninety five, ninety six, okay, somewhere around that. There, um, I mean, he 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 was interested in so many things. He built a canoe once, just because yeah. he wanted to. So I don't know. I can't I can't really explain his motivation behind it. But um, he was interested in a lot of stuff and and wanted to do the. Um, how do you say the 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 things that hold the door the the uh, hinges yeah the hinges and they were hinges they were originally forged but rusty and he wanted to make them new so that's that that was his train of thought why he needed the forge because it is an yeah. old house they uh, they renovated it is from eighteen thirty six or some, some something like that um, that makes sense yeah and 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 he wanted to uh, build build all that stuff on his own and make it new. Um, and and so he got the forge and yeah and and I got to play with it <laughs> occasionally. I, wow! So what are, what were the, some of the things you were, you went straight to making like? Yeah, a little dagger, and... a little dagger, uh, a sword, uh, also a small one. I mean, uh, I, I was a child and it was just mild steel, but yeah. you know, just hammering a little of a piece of steel. That must have been <laughs> kind of crazy. Kind of, I mean, it's crazy because you know it's funny because you're learning while he's learning too. Yeah. Like, I mean, he didn't have a history of being a blacksmith. No, no. So, so, I mean, and at 95 or so, so you're like, you know, under 10. Yeah. How is he, how is he, how is he gaining the knowledge and how are you getting the, the, the impetus of making a sword? Is it just like, okay, this is what we do or how did you kind of get to that point at 10? Yeah. I mean, sword just was cool, probably. I mean, the yeah. interest of knives was there from his folding knives, and he had a box, and it was always a, a special occasion when he got the box out, and I got to look at the knives because I didn't get a hold of them on my own. So I always had to ask him, and he got it out of the, you know, uh, and, and, and showed me. So that was always a special occasion for me, somehow. Yeah. I don't know, I was fascinated by the knives. I don't know why. I can't even tell you. No, of course, but it, that's a that's a standard thing. I mean, they're... they're, they're there's especially pocket knives. They're such a yeah. personal. They're so personal. I'm folding knives even more so because you put them in your pocket. Yeah. You know, there's something you know at a very you know deep level that you have. A, it's an it's an object. It's an object that you can fold up, put it in your pocket, and it's part of your what you have. You know, like your wallet or something like that. And there isn't more of an intimate quality to it that it's. There's something desirable about. Especially those little pocket knives. Of course, and when you see him working with it, it makes it yeah. uh, the more special. Because if it's just a collector's item or, or something like that, I, I don't think it would have interested me as as as, as much. But I always saw him uh, using his knife, so um, yeah, that was cool. And yeah, um, yeah, he, so... he didn't have a high end collection of any kind, but he he collected. Um, some either handmade folders like from Hungary and the Czech Republic or Austrian ma makers at the time um, and and very weird uh, folders with special locking mechanisms and not 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 necessarily the the most expensive knives but uh, they all were were pretty pretty special 
Um, but he, so he likes that he liked the the kind of action, you know, the, yeah. how they worked and, and that stuff. Because it makes sense. I mean, he's making his own hinges for the doors in his house. So it makes perfect sense that he's, you know, looking to kind of the inspiration behind. Now, did he ever decide to make any knives or? Uh, not really. I mean, uh, we, we, we built the ones we did together. Um, but other than that, um, no, no, he never made a knife, I think. And then, and in high school, did, did you, when did you start working for a blacksmith? Professional um, black. You were after high school? Or? No, no. It was high school. I was bad in school. I um, then for a time didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, I was even starting an apprenticeship as a, a IT guy, you know, uh, computers and okay. stuff. Um, that didn't work out too well. And, and I um, also had um, like uh, ink uh, or, or went to a company where... Uh, a, tr- a truck trailer mechanic um, okay. and there I um, finalized my apprenticeship it was three and a half years it was I mean a lot of welding um, like uh, steel construction work for the frames and stuff like that but also pneumatics and um, electric stuff and uh, ev- everything uh, like a, a normal mechanic would do except for uh, engines essentially did you enjoy it? Yeah, yeah, I liked it. Um, it. It was, you know, it was fun working with the big machinery. With a, yeah. tr- a truck trailer me- mechanic, it, everything is big. And everything's heavy, but so is the equipment. So with the forklifts and we had a, we had a big um, Volvo, um, you know, with the big tires. I don't know how they are a tr- called. A, like a, a giant truck, the it, se- like a semi-truck or... No, no, no. Uh, uh, um, it... it, it, it <laughs> It steers. Uh, that, that's my English. That's okay. Sorry. <laughs> your English is better than mine. Listen, your English is way better than mine. I, I okay? don't know I the correct term, me. but it's a it, like it's a construction vehicle. We used okay. it to um, pull the trailers without a uh, without like a backhoe or a tractor or something. Like yeah, that? something like, like that. that. Yeah. Okay. And it had an arm with the with the plate, and we we um, put the trailer into the into the um, uh, so into the uh, hull. And so yeah. we can work, or we were able to work on it. Yeah, but so, heavy machinery I'm, and all that stuff. So it was fun. So I'm imagining you're doing a lot more machining. Yeah, that too. I mean, machining, like welding a lot, um, rectangu- rectangular grinder was uh, like daily. I worked with that. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't enjoy that, but, you know, <laughs> um, uh, cutting stuff with the, with the acel- uh, acel- no. acetylene torches. Exactly. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> uh, that's fun, like cutting whole axle bodies through with it and stuff like that. Because um, I'm trying to imagine. I'm imagining at this age. I, I that's the one thing I wish I knew more of. My father wasn't mechanical at all. Like we were just like somebody will fix it, or, or you know, I, there was never really like we didn't. I was taught how to change the oil on a car. I was taught how to change the tires. Yeah. But at, at the same time, it's like I never had any idea. My father-in-law gave me a book on internal combustion, and he actually became – what's interesting, maybe there's, a, maybe there's a kind of a similarity. He was – my father-in-law was very learning disabled, incredibly dyslexic, and he loved cars, loved cars. And he 
kind of figured out, like he had real bad learning disability, and he figured out how to convert car parts and car, uh, the things that car parts do to the human body. He ended up becoming one of the best cardiologists in Wisconsin, really? in, in the Midwest. And a part of it was because he had to like imagine going through medical school that the human body and the car have like the similarity between the different like functions of a, of the body parts and the car parts. So it was this way of which he was able to kind of like understand it because that was a huge problem for him. And I wonder, I, I think about your work in the sense of, I mean, there's such a very, there's these, when, and when I refer to your work sim, in the same vein as, as Don's, it's so far different, but you both have a, a style that's both of your on your own, like your work and Don's work do not look, I can tell any, most people could tell the difference between Don's work and your work. But when I'm making the connection, I'm making the connection in terms of the, uh, the deliberateness of the design decisions that you make. Mm -hmm. And I wonder, one of the things, I mean, we're going to dive into your work in general, but I'm wondering about the machining qualities. I mean, you're one of this, one of the signature design decisions that you've made in your knives are in the handles. And you and I talked about this online. You have the bolster and the butt cap are both machined on They're machine screws, machine screwed on. And your handles, if you follow Ben on uh, Facebook, he's got a lot of videos on, uh, on, on getting a close-up on the handles and something like that. And especially the, the, the bolster, the bolsters are machined on, the machine bolts are on, and then you cut away the bolster to kind of make these, uh, like a pocket hole almost. A pocket hole, I don't know what the right word, but I know that when they make chairs and stuff, they cut these little pocket holes. Yeah. You grounded a way to create these pocket holes that are this just extraordinary design decision. And I wonder if something in the kind of engineering, the mechanical stuff that you were doing with these trucks kind of triggered that idea. Because I've never seen it before. Uh, yeah, good question. Maybe. I mean, <laughs> for sure I learned how to do it there because we, we, we were working with a lathe and, and like a, a drill, big drill and, and, and stuff like that. So the machinery and, and all the theory I, I learned there. Um, what inspired it? I, I, I mean, it's, it's a few things, but really, I guess, I mean, the, the biggest inspiration came from a uh, local uh, Austrian maker. Austrian maker. Uh, he made kitchen knives and straight razors. But he stopped with the kitchen knives and does straight razors to this day. He's, he's pretty pretty um, long in this business. He is uh, Korat knives. Um, I don't know. It, uh, Korvid. Korat. Is it Korvid? Korat. Um, Ulrich, oh, okay. Ulrich, Ulrich Bayer. Uh, doesn't. I don't know. You you won't find him um, easily. But um, he's still there doing straight razors. But he made a kitchen knife where the handle uh, could be taken off the tang. And I always had trouble to grind the knife with the handle attached. So that was the first time I tried to do that, uh, seeing his work. I, so um, that that was what the idea sparked. But his his whole handle looked very different from mine, and and mine uh, slowly evolved to what it is now. Uh, but this is what inspired me, I guess, to take off the handle in the first place. And yeah, I, I think I just 
I just ran with it because it, I, I mean, <laughs> it had so many um, pros for me and, and there weren't that much um, downsides. So, uh, yeah. So all your knives are, the, all your knives are mechanically fastened so you can take the blades out of the Yeah, the, m- most of uh, which you can see. I have the production line. I, I did two runs on them. They were glue-on and stock removal knives, but you could t- tell if you see them that they are not my, um, the work you usually see from me. So right. they, they look very different. Um, but usually, yeah, they, they are all uh, with the takedown handles. The takedown concept is so interesting, especially with a kitchen knife, because there are certain knives, like in Japanese knives, like if you were to get even an inexpensive Japanese knife, the handles are generally almost like they're pine or whatever, and they're not, a lot of them are meant to be replaced in, the, in a pinch. Yeah. And the concept of the takedown knife is so interesting because, you know, especially with the ABS makers and, and the takedown knives with um, buoy knives and with hunter hunting knives, takedown knives have become quite a, um, it's its own, it's its own uh, style in and of itself where all the parts are like you take it apart and you can put it back together. Same thing with like uh, folding knives where... They're not riveted together, but they're bolted together. It's interesting because you don't see a whole lot of mechanically fastened kitchen knives. Yeah, and I don't know know? why that is, to be honest, because I I find the concept, you know, back back when they evolved, um, I I got the idea from from Korat, but um, there were many things going on at the same time because I know I I got inspired by him or, or... you know, saw the, saw the design from him and, and thought I could do that too. Um, but at the same time, I thought of the, of the um, positives I could, you know, uh, th- that gives me or, or, or the positive sides I can accomplish with that. Um, and that is where I engraved the tang because I always was, um, I always liked the idea that the information of the knife, especially the production date, stayed on the knife. I mean, I, you know, you surely know how it is when you find an old tool and it's not even stamped with a maker's mark, let alone you, you don't know what age it is or, yeah. or something like that, you know, but you're amazed by the tool and you wonder who crafted it and, and where it was from and, and how old it is maybe. And I always was intrigued by the thought that um, all that information stays on the knife. So when you find one of my knives in 60 years, you'll know when it was built, you know wh- what steel it is. And I mean, it's not the most important information out there, but I just thought it's kind of cool to have that on the knife and and still hidden. So it's subtle, it's yeah. on the tang, it's not in your face, but it's there and it stays with the knife, definitely. It doesn't go so away like it, a leaflet. Gotta, uh, or, uh, so like you gotta cheap. take it apart. You gotta take it apart in order to see all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. You take you take the handle off and you you can see it. It's it's. Un- there must be some sort of relationship to that with your growing up and seeing your dad making all these parts. Like it's because that's the thing. Like the hinges and all that. He's making parts to the house. Like there's a it's kind of like a smaller version of what he's doing. What you're doing, you know. Yeah, I don't know if it's that. I, I can't really tell what it is. I mean, I'm 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 <laughs> I'm to this day having some beefs with one with with some friends of 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 mine uh, that don't stamp their knives at all, 
And I'm telling them, dude, that's amazing work. Put your maker's mark on the, on the chip because, I mean, you know, a few generations, in, in, in a few generations, that knife will still be used for sure, but no one will know who made it. And I can't, yeah, I can't stand that. That's an interesting concept because I'm very much along the lines of like, I would take my maker's mark off. Like I wouldn't, I don't have a problem with it. Like I don't count. Like I stopped counting when I first started. Like I don't count. I don't know how many. Knives. I have. A, I saved all the Corby bolts that I could chop off, and I have a big bucket of them. And I'm trying to. I'm trying to imagine. You know, I could count how many Corby bolt heads I have, and maybe that figured out. But for me, it was always this sense of like, um, there was like something very. I don't know. For me, in terms of like counting how many knives I made or all that stuff, it just. I have an old story that I told on Knife Talk all the time where it's this guy I went to high school with, he would tell us how many times he had yeah. sex with his girlfriend. <laughs> and it was just like, he'd come back every day and say, 45, 46. And we're just like, we don't care. I and mean, we don't care. Don't stop telling us. It's just like, okay, yeah, just say you had sex. And I would start, when I was making sculpture, I would count. I'd write on some of my old sculpture, I'd write the number. And I was just like, what am I counting? What am I? This is like, I make, I make sculpture. What am I going to count for? It's the same thing. It's this dude who's counting every time he had sex with his girlfriend. So I got very much along the lines of I just decided to be more frivolous. And I just, thought like because it to me it doesn't all of it you know when i'm toes up in the ground you know it doesn't matter i don't think about the i don't think about 60 years from from now yeah maybe i'm i'm just too romantic for that i, I don't know you're too romantic <laughs> i'm a i'm a nihilist i'm a nihilist i i'm not romantic at all i like fuck them but, I, but I, usually I, I I'm, I'm not either because ask my wife i mean <laughs> she won't she won't tell you i'm a romantic <laughs> Come on, come on! Don't, don't tell me that. I, I I just think for I mean for your work in and of itself. That, do you, do you, do most of your customers take your knife? I, cause I would be worried. Like I want one of your knives. Like I'm on your newsletter, by the way, and, and I'm just like I'm waiting for the day where I can kind of like zip in there and pick one up. I think that I would probably be concerned taking it apart and putting it back together only because I know that threads wear and you know, there's, you have a certain amount of time before your thread strips and then what? So for me, my first thought is oh, I'm not taking it apart because I don't want to, I don't want to screw it back. I don't want to screw it back together and th miss thread the threads. Yeah. Do your customers take apart your knives? Yeah, they do. I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense for, for, from a customer perspective when they um, try to put on um, a stone finish. You know, when they lay it flat oh, on the stones yeah. and then they take the handle off because normally you would wrap the handles so it doesn't get stained by the, by the, yeah. by the water and whatnot. Um, but they just take the handle off and, and also you um, the handle is not in the way. So you can tilt yeah. the knife however you want and, and slide it over the stones and you won't have any issues there. So for that, they take it off. But um, the construction itself was never intended to you know, um, be um, taken down uh, day, uh, like on a daily basis. Uh, right, that, that was right. never the intent. I, 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 I see what you're saying and I'm worried about that too. I don't communicate it like that. On the other hand, I always, th al always think um, I, I deliver my knives with a do's and don't cheat, but I always think s some basic um, knowledge I just... Uh, think the customer should have on 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 their own um you know that a thread can wear or how 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 uh, strong to tight. how tight yeah. to 
make this the the end cap um you know i'm not gonna tell them if they if they ruin it you know <laughs> uh have you had I... any have you had any people send you like i think i i think i broke something i have, have had an issue once so far that i know you know, is this but, someone we both know? Is this someone we both know? Never mind. Uh, might Never mind. Be. Just don't say another no, word. No, no, no. It's, 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 but, but it's, yeah, I, I don't think, yeah, I don't know what, that, what happened there. It might as well be, have been my fault. So, right. uh, in, in that case, I don't think the, the, it was the customer's fault, to be honest. I, so, because the threats vary sometimes. And, and I think this one was worn out from the beginning. It was a I, bad quality. You're, you're too kind blaming yourself. Mm-hmm. I'm always, I never, I, I, I usually blame myself, but like when the mics are off or I'm not on the phone with someone, I'm like, yeah, I know they stuck in the dishwasher. Don't, don't, you can't, don't tell me you didn't put it in the dishwasher. Come on, man. Yeah, but you know, or you use the wrong yeah. size bolt or you use the wrong size this, that, the other thing. You dropped in the ground. I understand. So, at what point do you start to make knives seriously? Because, I mean, you know, going from making swords in your dad's shop to where you're at, there must have been, did you, after you were the mechanic, did you, you worked at a blacksmith shop, didn't you? Yeah, right. Um, I, I was um, like the truck trader mechanic. I finished the apprenticeship there. And then shortly after, um, it was my duty with the military, six months. And after that, um I got a job at a at a small blacksmith shop. It was just uh, the boss there and me as the only craftsman, essentially. He was doing stuff like driving to the customers, like measuring um, all the stuff we had to do, designing the stuff. But I was I was the only one in the shop, and he occasionally um, helped me with turning heavy stuff around and and, and, and things like that. Um, but that was an, was a great time other than for what it paid, you know, that was the only yeah. issue really, because he right. was, he was a great dude and, or, or is, um, and, and I had a lot of fun there. Uh, I had a lot of freedoms there. I learned a lot. It, it really was, uh, fun working there, but you know, when, when, when the money isn't enough and, and, uh, one child, one child is there and another one is on the way. And there are aren't a lot of perspectives in in that company. Then you have to make decisions. And I right. I tried to get self-employed and stay with him uh, in the shop and rent a part of his shop and still kind of work together. And I thought we could help each other out, uh, lower his rent, and you know stuff like that, more efficiency. Sure, sure. Efficiency. But he he didn't want to do that, and yeah. So so I made the, <laughs> uh, n- now in retrospect, brave, but at the time, maybe stupid decision to get self-employed. <laughs> um, yeah. and Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Sometimes whatever it takes. <laughs> right. What and, were some uh, of the things you were building? Uh, railings was, and stuff? Yeah, or? railings. Uh, stuff like you did, I think. Uh, railings on a metal blacksmithing, but uh, also um, some customers were willing to pay for the really traditional and, and funny stuff, like completely riveted um railings no welding yeah. no whatsoever um really made like like in the old times i guess um so i really i i have a lot of say in designing them you know that was the fun part my boss was a great guy in 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 those regards you know he 
if I was if I was my boss, I wouldn't have had the freedoms I had with him. Um, so I have to give him credit for that. It was really and 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 stuff like that. Railings, um, um, yeah, de dec decorational stuff, um, everything. That like makes that. a lot of sense because I know that with within you know the, what's interesting now with the way ornamental blacksmith railings are sold is there's a lot of texturing like cap rails and all that stuff there's a lot of parts where you're actually and this has to do with probably this has a lot to do with you know what people are willing to pay and this is also the idea of the type of customer you're getting now the, the, the type of customer ordering ornamental ironwork you you have two different levels. You have the level of like, all right, they're gonna they're gonna pay for a nice railing, but then they're not gonna pay for whatever this artist wants. So there'll be a lot more. You know, you're showing samples of textures, and you're showing samples and samples and samples. Kind of, there's so many there's so many options. I'm wondering if that is where you learned the how to texture stuff because your knives. One of the things about your your current knives especially along the spine, you have such a gradation of transitions, transitions of, of texture. You, you have the, um, of all the texture knife, knives that are textured, I love yours some of the most because everything is very, very decisive. And I'm wondering if you picked up a lot of that at the blacksmith shop. I mean, it, it may be um, the leaves, like you said, and the the, the um, poles and stuff like that got tex textured a lot um, there. Um, yeah, um, it, it, I mean, I guess the whole um, blacksmith experience there was was a big ins inspiration to me because, um, as I said, I, I had a lot of freedoms and I could um, do my own ideas or make my own ideas happen. Uh, if my boss liked them, and uh, yeah, I, I definitely definitely uh, learned the skills there to forge yeah. in general. Um, I was seven years years there, so um, oh, that's guess, a long time. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I forged a lot. <laughs> yeah. So, because when I when I. Thinking about like that texture, texture. I once was talking to Mertanso, and Mertanso said to me, "He goes, some people just get a to ball peen hammer, hit hit their knife with a ball peen hammer, and then they think that, that. But you can tell when something is like intentionally textured in a way that looks looks like it's meant to be there. Not like you got two different tire, you know, ball peen hammers and you hit the knife a couple times, which I've done my, myself. When I think about knife makers, you and Balete Blades have a similar controlled." You know Balete Blades? Yeah, I yeah, know. Yeah, he's a he's out in the, in the Philippines. Yeah. Awesome knife maker. Yeah. The two of you have these really controlled textures that have a very very finite uh, border in regards to where they start and start and stop, and it's very elegant and it's very purposeful. Purposeful is the right word. It doesn't look like you just grabbed a couple of ball peen hammers and slapped it around. <laughs> Where did you start to when you started your seven years seven years at the blacksmith shop? When do you start to make your first knife that's heat treated and forged? And at what point are you doing that? So at the beginning in the blacksmith shop, it was a mess. 
um, the the complete shop. So I had a, a test time there a, a few months, and and we worked together, and he was quite excited. I was as well, and so um, we started regular work. Uh, work. And um, a few skills I brought with me, like welding and stuff like that. Um, but a few skills I had to learn, like forging, for example. Right. Um, and then I worked for him three or four years, more like three. And always when we had uh, we had no work or uh, when the work ran out, uh, I did maintenance in the shop. So because it right. was such a mess, I, I, I uh, you know, changed bearings in machines and all this stuff. Um, uh, <laughs> and and after three years, the shop maintenance work ran out. So in, in between, we made something for the showroom too, um, some pieces to show customers and stuff like that. Um, but... As soon as we ran out, I approached him with the idea of uh, making knives, maybe, and and kind of build a second uh, second route for the company. So I I had the idea to uh, originally put my maker's mark on there, but sell it through his company, and I later did right. um, to I don't know generate more income for his company, so he could pay me more, and to not have have those. Uh, like that times when we got no work, I just I just was uh, very engaged in getting some work in with his company. I mean, I think, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you were very eager. You were very an eager employee, uh, wait, hoping for his success to help you. I mean, yeah. I mean, his success means I'm kind of right. successing with a better yeah. payment, and uh, that was my approach. Uh, yeah, and 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 it worked out. I mean, we we then built some knives. Uh, the first ones were were crap. I still have them, um, and I I always had high um, high high standards regarding quality. So I didn't want to sell a knife before I got a electrical heat treating oven and stuff like that. So we we kind of built the knives without earning any money. Um, I learned the craft and and we took a little money uh, and and bought stuff like the heat treatment oven and the, the big water cooled grinder i'm having now and then at some point i sold my first knife out of his shop so he he made the invoice and stuff like that it had my my maker's mark already and yeah that's that's how it slowly started what was that first knife uh, it's a small Santoku, I think 119 millimeters, something like, wait a little, four, in, um, eight inches. So what made you want to start to make culinary knives? What was the, I mean, you know, most blacksmiths are making like, you know, hunters and stuff like that. What makes you want to do culinary? I mean, someone said this, I think on your podcast, because they get used. I think they are yeah. pretty much the the only knives that really get use, that really see use. Yeah. I mean, you can say an uh, EDC or uh, like a folding knife gets some use, but I carry one myself. I know what I'm cutting. I mean, some boxes and maybe some, you know, uh, but not not the kind of use kitchen knives get. And right. I think, I mean, hunting knives get a lot of use, but I don't think hunters use knives for thousand dollars cutting deer open and not being able to wash off the blood right. of the carbon steel damascus knife so that was really the intention i wanted to build something that 
uh, gets used, and 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 that's uh, to this day uh, performance and and how the knife works is is very important to me to this day. I, so I tend to think some of those expensive hunting knives turn into fetish items, like things that you, wall, or, or as you would call a wall hanger. <laughs> yeah. And there is there is something to be said about culinary knives in terms of. Um, the idea that they're going to be used. Um, that's one of the things. I mean, but for, I mean, for me, I just didn't have any real, ex I mean, I was, the first knives I was making was hunting knives just because I, that's all I learned how to make. And then I was just like, I don't hunt. What am I doing? What am I doing with all this? Yeah. Yeah. So was there like a, did you have a lot of like cooking in your family or? Yeah. My, my mother was always cooking fresh. I mean, I, I learned a lot from her and, and, and and my dad too. When he was cooking, he did cook quite quite good, I think. Um, so that was always there. And my interest in cooking was 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 always there too. So um, that's definitely a factor. But yeah, the main thing. And 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 then through my interest, because I was a customer first, I guess I, I bought some Japanese knives and stuff like that. Um, and through my interest in kitchen knives, I was rather active in German kitchen knife forum, in the German kitchen knife forum, and learned from active makers there what, and and also from the from the customers and the, you know, the community as a whole, what's what's important for a good kitchen knife. So I think right. I I understood some standards early, but of course I I had to. I, I had to learn a lot at the start, you know, <laughs> but yeah. At at the time, what was, I mean, when you think about, I mean, I obviously don't know. I mean, I, I've met Italian chefs who use, Ita who use uh, Japanese knives. I've used, I know, I've met Japanese chefs who use German knives. Mm -hmm. At what point are you kind of leaning towards, I mean, obviously your first knife was a Santoku. At what point are you leaning towards making kind of more Asian style Asian-inspired, let's say, Asian-inspired style knives. Yeah, good question because I never, never really thought consciously about it. But I think it it yeah. was the appeal of them. I I always was um, intrigued by the by the black forging scale and stuff like that. I mean, I have some interest in forging, so I guess that comes from that, uh, from the rustic looks and and stuff and and, and things like that. Um, yeah, I guess I guess the the appeal it it kind of looked exotic to me, and I I liked it. Um, so, so once you start in with making the knives at the at the blacksmith shop, how how long does it take before you know you guys are really making a lot of knives, or you're making the decision that it's just like okay, let's let's you know I got a kid on the way, you know I can do this myself. Uh, one and a half to two years for sure what what was special there i i mean until i sold my first knife i i think i only built maybe 14 15 but always yeah. when i started to build one knife um i was experimenting a lot so i i always made made heavy changes and uh, always when i did a knife some work was getting in i had the opportunity to finish the knife and i did and then I had like say four or eight weeks weeks of work, and so I I always had a lot of time to think about my mistakes in in between, and I think that made uh, made up for a lot of um, 
mishaps in regarding like building building crap because i had to think yeah. about the mistakes solving the issues in my head and then i was able to uh, make it way better with the next build whereas when i started a new build the next day i surely uh wouldn't i i, I surely would have fucked up way more and and right. built way way more um crappy knives so but but regarding like a timeline it was one and a half or two years until um i sold the first knife and then maybe maybe another two years until i um approached him with the idea of um renting a part of his shop and getting self-employed and i mean i explained it all to him and and we have contact to this day so we we aren't mad at each other um but it just didn't work out for him to to part to shops and you know the funny thing it well, funny it's not really funny <laughs> but one thing is, is with blacksmiths and bladesmiths is blacksmiths don't realize the fact that when you start making knives all of a sudden you're lifting so much less material <laughs> you're not flipping railings anymore you're not bending over and lifting up material anymore like that was the one joke I used to make to my blacksmith friends. I'm like, I don't lift anything over 25 pounds. Back in the day, I was humping, you know, steel bars to put, you know, take off the truck and put them in the steel rack and lifting all this stuff and moving all this stuff around. And my back is like unbelievably good right now. Yeah. And it's because I don't have to lift I-beams or I don't have to do all this blacksmithing stuff. And part of me wonders why blacksmiths don't just say, listen, I know you don't want to make knives. Most blacksmiths, most blacksmiths, like ornamental iron worker guys, blacksmith guys, they don't want anything to do with knife making. Uh, like they don't, there's almost like this, you know, it's, it's, they look down upon it to this, to the most part. <laughs> but the, the fact is, is the fact that you're not like killing yourself with lifting material. I just, I've never understood that. Yeah. It's not just the lifting. It's the rectangular grinder. What I mean, I, I probably ate more steel in my, in my seven years there. than I don't know that my, <laughs> but that all my knives way that I ever built, um, the welding, the fumes, it's, it's just so much more impact on your body for sure. That's one thing I was going to mention. I it didn't really kind of dawn on me was the fact that you were perfect for his shop. Like blacksmiths who love hiring welders because not some. I don't know what it's like in Austria, but in the United States welders are not easy to find, or at least ones that are, you know, uh, uh, guys who are going to come every day, mm -hmm. guys who are going to be like dependable. It's like it's like almost finding cooks in the United States. It's kind of like it's a it's your it's a roll of the dice to find a good one. And what? When I look at your knives, you have this incredible contrast. I didn't really think about it till just now. You have this amazing contrast between the blade that has a lot of texture towards the spine. Usually have like a little bit of a hot, a little bit of an S grind. Some of them do, um, and you have this great transition between the top of the blade and then the 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 bottom of the blade, where the cutting edges, the color, the the color between the scale and then the sharp, the steel, the shiny steel. Then you have this interesting contrast between this machined finished handle, which is clearly machined. It's like there are bolts involved. <laughs> this is mechanically fastened. Is That's an expression I learned a long time ago when we were doing railings and stuff like that. I'd never heard the expression mechanically fastened. I was like, what does mechanically fastened mean? And it means we're using bolts. Yeah. <laughs> we're not hot riveting it. We're not welding it. We're using nuts and bolts. 
you have this real contrast between the old school blacksmithing and the new school machinist. Um, it, it, it's, you wonder whether or not this contrast makes sense, but it, it always does. Like your knives are so striking because of that contrast. It's very, very, it's like almost the total package of metalworking, really. <laughs> I mean, maybe my prior um, uh, uh, work has a lot, <laughs> or is, is in there a lot. I mean, <laughs> I couldn't tell. I, I, to be honest, I never thought so consciously about my designs. I mean, I, I, I made up my mind on, on some, some parts of it. Um, for example, um, people are very confused uh, about the end caps because they are screw-on. You know, and and right. they think they can, they are interchangeable, and and I, for, for I mean, I I, I don't quite get the thought behind that because no one would expect f uh, with a folding knife, high-end folding knife, uh, uh, like uh, some scales, some wooden scales or Mikado right. or whatever, and they are screwed on too, but no one would expect to interchange them you know they are it's just a way of fastening it it's not glued it's 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 mounted with screws i mean but somehow people expect them to be interchangeable because of the screws or some people do i don't i won't wouldn't say everybody but you're not giving yourself enough credit because when you look at them when you think of these machine you know when you look at machinists what machinists do and this the machining of steel of steel and different materials there is this mechanized look that they have because they do don't look handmade you know when you see somebody who's a really great machinist perfect example uh our friend uh dies in every film yeah. honor kagler he just did this he did this uh trench club or something like that and he was machining the handle it doesn't look like i mean it doesn't look like it was made by hand you know sometimes when you see even you know to to the normal person your handles don't look like they were done by a person they were. They look like they're. You know, you had them made, and they don't realize that you kind of each one is made individually, mm -hmm. and that's part of also the look of of mechanically fastened. Doesn't look like it's there a degree of permanence. Yeah, I, I think that's it. Maybe I. I don't know, but but that would be true for the folder as well because they are they yes. are they are um, usually milled. I don't even have a mill. I mean, I do them just with the drill press, and and um, the thing. I mean, I I thought about it. It, it would be kind of cool. To have the end caps interchangeable, where you can say, like with a, a, a watch, where you can uh, change the straps, that you say, okay, now I have the copper end caps, and tomorrow I want stainless. So the, I, I get the thought behind it from that perspective, but it would be so hard to make um, the whole thing interchangeable, like from a crafts perspective. Right. It it would. I I can only see it working with CNC machinery, really. Right, um, right. Uh, but they are ground manually, and even though they look pretty much the same, I mean, go go through the picks. There is a lot of variation in in them right, when course. you look closely. So um, it just wouldn't work out done by hand. I think it, it would. So, at what point do you decide to make these machine handles? Yeah, uh, I mean. 
Yeah, yeah. Now that you say it, I was in the in the so in the blacksmith shop is where I started making the knives, and we don't uh, or I don't had uh, I didn't have access to a lot of materials. So I was oftentimes using uh, mild steel, for example, for the end caps. And so my mild steel usually does rust, and to not right. make it to make it not rust, uh, I uh, heated it up and quenched it in oil. So I um, like gun bluing. I did some right. some like something like that. Or I used wrought iron and etched it. And then I thought, okay, um, I have to finish the handle, grind to dimensions, go through the grids and, and finish the complete thing. And then I have to take that apart because I want to heat the end caps or, or etch it in the acid. And, you know, wood doesn't etch as, as good, <laughs> nor does it want right. to get heated up. And so I had right. to take it apart. And th that's really where I... Because the, the idea to screw on the end caps... And the idea to uh, make the handle demountable from from the knife are separate essentially. They 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 now in retrospect look like they were uh, a parallel uh, uh, thing that that happened at the same time, but really they are two separate things. I um, the the screws really came, just came from the from the fact that I had to take the end caps off again, and and surely I could have solved that with hidden pins, like I I offer that option right. now. But at the time, screws just were the most obvious thing to me, and it looked cool. <laughs> and so yeah. I again ran with it and 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 didn't think twice about it. So uh, and 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 just just made it happen like that. <laughs> That's the most beautiful part of you know, the evolution of your style is is the is the decisions that you make are based on the the pr procedure that you need to do. Yeah, I mean, and you were asking good it questions. It was a necessity. Because... <laughs> it was a necessity. I mean, it was clearly a necessity. Yeah. But you, it's it's created. I mean, you've you've cre you've created something that's completely one hundred percent your own, and it's because it's the thing. It's like by total you got like, <laughs> but no problem. I don't problem with that. I mean, yeah. most people's <laughs> great ideas come from accidents. I I mean, that's I. But it but it came from a it came from a very sincere place of I need to figure out how to etch this without screwing up the wood yep. so i guess the question is is like you've you've made the decision uh, now all of a sudden you're just looking at it you're like oh it looks pretty good with the screws the interesting thing is once again is when you look at screws the the subconscious says okay the screws mean it's meant to come off that's what's the interesting part. Like if they were pins or they were rivets or there was no way for you to use a tool. Yeah, no one would ask. When you start to use those machining, those machining parts, the unconscious mind says, okay, that means it's meant to come off. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, yeah, that's... that's. But then again, I, I, I always get back to the folder. I think no one expects the, the folders to come with a set of scales. I mean, I'm sure yeah. there are some guys doing that, but usually... I talk to a few folder guys, and usually that's that's not the case. It's just it's the opposite because I was thinking about that. Um, it's a it's an interesting thought. Think about a folder, a liner lock, with uh, mammoth ivory high end scales, and think of them to be glued on. You kind of would, I mean, it would it would be weird, right? Yeah, no, you're right. It's, uh, it's a it's a it's a permanence that's like it seems as though it's incorrect permanence. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know why exactly, but I thought, hmm, if if they were glued on there, I uh, I don't know. <laughs> 
I seem to I seem to think like guys like I know that I was listening to Josh Smith talk about when his, he makes his folders. The, the reason why they come apart is so they can take them apart to clean the parts. Yeah. Because I mean, especially if you're having like uh, you know Damascus and maybe the maybe the the lever is like you know Damascus and all this stuff, and you need to kind of get in there to clean something up. You can take it apart. But the fact that you made that decision that is like synonymous with come on knives. It's a it's a pretty it's a pretty beautiful and unique design decision based on the necessary you know building qualities of your knives. Yeah, I mean, and I think I think they helped me a lot to get a get a decent following and 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 my first customers because they were were eye catchers. You know, even even people that don't or didn't necessarily uh, like them maybe clicked on it to see what it actually is and 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 uh, took a second look and often that's enough to have a have a sale uh so i, I well, think let, they they helped me a lot with that too but i i well, also just, think just one thing i also think they kind of limit me because i i sometimes think i'm i'm get uh, i'm get or my knife's getting reduced to to those handles and i sometimes worry if people see the the kind of effort i put into all the other stuff around it, so it's 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 a two-edged sword there. I I don't know if I feel that way. I I think that you know the, it, the hardest part about being a knife maker is the idea of you're considering yourself an artist, and it's the decisions that you make. A lot of knife makers, especially young knife makers, make the decisions based on finding a YouTube video that they like. And just basically saying, I'm making this the way he made it. And then trying to make something that's passable. Not based on what they want it to look like, but to try to get it so that they're able to make a knife before making the design decisions. The design decisions that you've made have have, a, have incredible amount of thoughtful contrast. Like I said, the the, the, the texture plus the, the quality of the, the profile and everything like that, but the way the, the blade contrasts with the handle, it's not inappropriate. And I think that it, I think that you're thinking that people will see that you're working on one part longer than the other is I don't I don't I don't buy that at all. It's the total package. I mean let's let's face it, I mean you're on the cover of Blade magazine. <laughs> that's not that's not a fluke. I mean that was a I remember was a number it was less than a year ago that you got on the on the cover of Blade magazine and I remember just being so happy for you because you were helping usher in the culinary knife knife makers to the Blade magazine, which is normally has been a non culinary knife magazine. What was it like? to get that call to say we want to put your knife on the cover of blade magazine i don't know because i never got a call <laughs> I, what do you mean no. tell the story it, I didn't call you they just, all of a sudden it's just like your knife's on the cover they didn't even tell no, you not not quite like that but uh, it was interesting i someday someday i got an email um from a guy that said he wanted to do a, an an interview with me uh, about some uh and the 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 email looked uh, funky, and the signature didn't. I mean, it did say Blade Magazine for sure, but the name I googled, googled the name because I'm a paranoid guy, and uh, you know, with the scams and stuff like that. And I just googled the name Good. and googled the email, and the email didn't have like BladeMagazine.com on the end. It was something weird, also. And then, <laughs> paranoid asshole that I am, I just wrote Blade Magazine directly. Hey, is this legit? Did did you uh, do you really write uh, an article? 
and uh, they they replied that it, that is, is is legit. I don't know what they think about me because they <laughs> must think I'm a comp complete moron. But it worked out. So I um, did the interview with the guy. It was just an email interview. He um, wrote me a few questions questions, and I answered them in writing as best as I could. They even um, copy pasted my, uh, you know, how do you say it when I spelled something wrong. Uh, copy pasted that into the magazine oh yeah you can read it oh, now yeah, you yeah, have yeah. the you have the hard cover i think uh you know um but so that that was that and I, they never told me i will make it to the cover so i just i just i i think maybe you wrote me first i don't know who wrote me but it was a complete surprise that i got on the cover it was no surprise that i was in the article but that, I, that my knife did got it on the cover, it was a complete surprise. But did you submit a, 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 an image? Or no, no, I, must think, have had a I think the way it works, I mean, I sent some stuff to Coop. And I, I, a big shout out to Coop because he's really, I mean, if, if, if guys want to invest in some advertising, I'd totally send knives to Coop and let, let, let him do some. Sharp by, sharp sharp by, by Coop, Coop is, yeah, a knife, yeah, exactly. is a knife photographer. Yeah, sorry. Fam very famous in the knife making community. And, and so um, I think you, you um, apply or not apply, um, you, you confirm to the terms and services. And I think that says uh, that he can pass on to third parties. I think it just comes with that. I think they. I. I don't own that picture. Essentially, he owns it. So, but I'm not mad about it. I mean, <laughs> the knife yeah, is on. Of course the, not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the cover of a magazine. Yeah, exactly. Of course, you're not mad about it. So, Coop. So, all of a sudden, you, you send your knives to Coop. You sign the paperwork, and next thing you know, he said they're probably calling him up, saying, "Hey, you got any interesting culinary knives?" And he probably said, "Yeah, check this one out." And then they put it on the cover. Yeah, some time passed in between for sure. I mean, even between the interview and and uh, the cover, maybe I don't know, three months or something, something like that. But Essentially, that's how it how it went down. <laughs> so, so this is now going to be an advertisement for Sharp by Coop. If you if you use Sharp by Coop, there's a very good chance you might be on the cover of a magazine because he just starts sending pictures everywhere. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that that's what that's <laughs> what uh, was 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 saying. I mean, before I put money into Facebook and stuff like that, I think he will help you if you're looking for advertisement. He will help you just way more. And that, I mean, to be honest, it was it was the pics I liked, um, but. To me, it was an advertising decision from the beginning. I didn't expect well, to land on the cover of Blade magazine. That was a really nice surprise. But um, just being on his Instagram feed, it was just an advertising decision, mainly. But regardless, all jokes aside, they chose your knife because it's so far, it's so much distinctive. It's a distinctive style that you've created that's recognizable as your knife. It isn't like, you know, a run-of-the-mill situation. It's a, it's a very, very, very stylized knife. Not, when I say stylized, I'm saying it with respect. I'm not saying it's, like, <laughs> wacky. I'm saying that it's, like, very specific to the work that you do. Yeah. At what point do you start doing the blacksmith knife? Like, you start doing ah, the kind of the forged, I mean, with the forged handle, you know, the forged handle. Lin Ray, Ray, Lin Ray, X-Ray Knives oh, was, I mean, was a, he's a great following. I, uh, I, I, every post he, he, he sends of, of a knife of his, I'm, I'm in awe of his skills. Um, so, um, he surely 
um, ignited that spark in me to try that. And a customer of mine also wanted something like that. The first one I made was um, where I uh, essentially forged uh, a handle built like a wedge and then right. drilled through it and filed it out. And the two holes, I, 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 I filed one out from from up, um, top to bottom and one from left to right. And the two holes inter inter um, how do you intersected with each other, so it wasn't a classical um, blacksmith's knife in the sense that it was completely forged, including the hole, but it had the looks of it. So that was the right. first where I, you know, got got a little excited about it, and then I thought about old blacksmithing techniques I did back in the blacksmith shop like punching a hole and widening it up and stuff like that and i thought maybe that could make for enough material material uh to to uh, form uh, or shape a handle out of it and i mean the 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 basic concept is like you make uh, bottle openers and i think every every uh, amateur bladesmith or, or blacksmith the first thing you make is a bottle opener <laughs> because everyone likes right. to drink beer and bottle openers. Right. Yeah. And, and it's, it's essentially the same, the same technique. Just, but it's no, well, I mean, you're giving your, once again, you're not giving yourself enough credit because one of the things about your, I mean, I don't know what, do you have a name for that style of, I mean, you refer to it as a blacksmith knife or do you have, no, a, I, does something that you refer to it as? It was, it was, it was uh, weird for the longest time, but I, I just like to call them monolith monolith yeah because it's just simple and and they look sim simple so i think the only part i recognize as having any kind of um inspiration shall we say to lin ray is you do that i-beam style forge which is the interesting thing about blacksmith knives and and i got to i was very fortunate enough to talk to lin ray for a while and i we worked together a little bit on the on the watercolor how he how he's made the decision to make it a blacksmith knife where there's this size yeah. transition yeah. where where you have this you know it goes from being a flat to one side to almost being like a T like a T formation yeah. and i noticed that you have in your construction which is very difficult to do you have that really that T construction between the ricasso and the handle kind of creating that transition between the knife and the handle other than that, I don't really see it as being like Lynn's and knife. I think it's completely yours. I mean, the, the first ones didn't have that. They had a fluid transition, but the T transition was a complete... Uh, I mean, if you want to put it kind, it's an homage, but it was a complete ripoff from Lynn Ray. Um, he... he but he's a super supportive guy, so I, I talk to him about it. Uh, he he doesn't he doesn't mind it. But all credits to him. So he uh, that that was totally his idea. Um, I, I I don't want to take any credit for that. So um, that that's with him. But you kind of made it your own. I mean, you have you there, you've made it your I mean, own. Like there's some people who 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 do you know straight up X-ray knives. I mean, I really see yours as kind of like a departure from what he's doing. I, I, like he's I got try the tenon is such a huge part of I, it. I, it. I'm telling you, I see. I it, try to, but you know? still, I can't. I can't take credit for it. You know, I, I don't want okay. just to be a, a blunt uh, copycat. 
I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think that's that's but cool. That, but it, uh, still, I have to, I have to credit him because um, it, it, it's just how course. it is. Uh, he, he was the inspiration for that. I, I would have never gotten that idea. And it's tricky to make One, too. I mean, it's super tricky to make. <laughs> I can't. You're doing, but you see, it's too tricky because it's it's T's on both the top and the yeah, bottom yeah, of yeah, that transition. Yeah. Like that's the part where the, I've done the the X-ray knife is one. And talking to Lynn, Lynn totally supports people making yeah. his the X-ray knife. I mean, obviously, be smart and like give him a little credit. But at the same time, it's like he suggests. I mean, he's making T-shirts with the drawing I made on how to make it, and he's he wants people to make it, which is a credit to the kind of guy he is. I mean, he's. I would say that he's probably one of the most innovative guys around yeah. in terms of how he's made that transition. But like what you're doing is that was what I was going to say. I mean, when you make the 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 X-ray knife, you have one, you have that one T. That one T transition between the the where the top of the handle trans goes flattens out, but when you're making your knives, you have both the top and the bottom make that T transition. So I'm imagining how hard it is to get both of those right. Yeah, that's it's it's pretty tough, and 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 the steel choice doesn't help either because that that tungsten alloy tool steel is <laughs> such a bitch to forge. <laughs> I don't know if you yeah. if you ever tried to to forge some I I I for some I don't know funky reason I once uh, forged uh, like 1080 and right. for a long time I didn't do that and it was <laughs> it was it was like butter compared. So it's it's yeah it's 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 tough but mm, uh the most problems I'm having with it is um, like over over overlaps or, or um, when the steel folds, you know. It's okay. a, it's on yeah. the inside yeah, yeah. of the handle, and I don't really hide it. I mean, you can tell from the pictures. Um, if I had the choice, really, I would I would um, rather have choose to not have that. But the problem is, I'm I'm working with five millimeter stock to begin with. And I have to get the five millimeter stock um, that's like one fifth of an inch um, as wide as I, I had some knives where it was um, four fifth of an inch or I don't know how to say it, uh, 20 millimeters, almost an inch. You know, you're getting that, that wow. five millimeter stocks so wide. And by doing that, you have some some or you can run into some trouble. Um, yeah, I'm, I I'm sure you can like avoid it, but you know it's. I'm imagining that there's a lot of like it's like a ribbon. Like, can I can imagine that whole area kind of being a little bit out of control? Yeah, completely. <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> the other thing that I love about those knives is they're really they really take a, quite a departure from this the Japanese inspired style. And I'm using Japanese once again. I'm using it with utmost respect. You, your, your monolith knives are have more of a, that Western style handle, yeah. like the handle design, and it's almost as if it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a very important decision that you made to separate those two types of knives out. I mean, not only that. I think the uh, like a straight handle in to, I, I mean, there there are some ways to make it work for sure. But I think it would be just too boring, and maybe I took I, I also took there some inspiration from Lin. His 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 handles are um, like a Western shape too, I'd say. Right. Um, right. Right. 
but uh, for for my cleavers that I do in that style, they are they are straight. Just because usually the Chinese cleavers have those typical bar barrel handles, and they are okay. pretty 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 straight in um, like uh, in profile too. So I think for a cleaver, it wouldn't fit with a Western handle. That would look awkward with the rectangular yeah. shape, and then the Western shaped handle that wouldn't wouldn't look too good. I think. Um, yeah, but for the for the for the Giotos or the Santokus, I, I think the Western shape handle just it, it was a pure, purely a design decision. Essentially, is what I'm saying. Yeah, I can tell. I mean, you've, it, it's a it's a clear decision because I I when I was talking to Lynn about the X-ray knife and I asked him if he'd ever made a culinary version, he goes, "No, but you could." And it was really like, and I think I even have, I have a couple of ones that I've, I've just decided I'm not making. I made three after he and I talked and I have them hanging on the wall and I'm just like, yeah, this is for him. This is, I'm totally cool with just making a couple. And I'd like, someday I'd like to actually make them with, make one with him. I mean, I, but at the like same time, I love, <laughs> you're not going to see him, forget ah. it. They're not very good. They're, you got to come to the shop. I, I leave, they're on the wall of, they're on the wall of dishonor. They're wall of dishonor. I didn't do very great. I didn't do a great job. And I was just like, yeah, what am I doing? I think that, you know, to me, I would imagine, I'm wondering what your, if you had a choice, what you'd, you would, rather make would would you rather make your you know with the the monolith style uh blacksmith knife or would you rather make like yeah i'm giving you a day to make a knife i'm giving you a couple days you make whatever you want what is the type of knife you prefer to make at the moment definitely the monolith and yeah. um, i mean uh, that that's an interesting part too because uh what who also was a big inspiration or mot motivated to do it uh, was Tobias Hangler, who developed with uh, Laren Thomas and Marco Guldeman the Apex Ultra steel. Yeah. So he, we, we talk a lot. So we talked on the phone and, and we talked about the whole blacksmithing or, or uh, knife uh, bladesmithing uh, thing. And the reality is, especially with my knives, with the, with the handles that are a lot of effort, maybe 10% of my knives are forging of the normal, uh, you know, the Japanese inspired, like, you, right. yeah maybe 10%. And I was talking to him and we kind of uh, said that it that it would be cool to have a knife where forging was the majority of the work that we do. Because, again, the romantic in me, I guess, <laughs> kicks in. Uh, it, 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 it's, it's just forging is the fun part for most yeah. bladesmiths. And then there is the necessity of attaching a handle and making a finish. I I don't do hand sand, but most uh, knife makers have have that too. So that's all just necessity. That's not fun work. Fun work is forging, and and he sparked and I think uh, the the idea too to make a knife where forging is really the maturity maturity of the work, uh, and yeah, so. For now, the the decision would clearly be the monolith knives because they are fun to make. They are t difficult, but you know they are an, an, a challenge. I wonder. Uh, by the way, shout out to Tobias and the guys over at Apex Ultra. They uh, uh, 
Keith Colby sent me a, a stick, a Apex Ultra. Um, and P.S. Everybody, when you get Apex Ultra, they give you a nice pamphlet on exactly how to forge it, exactly the temperatures of forging it, the temperatures, the temperatures of heat treating it, the temperatures of. They give you every. It's a. It's like how to not make a mistake with this steel. So. By all means, and you don't need cryo. I think everyone gets a little bit nervous that you have to have cryo. You don't need cryo to use it. Shout out to Apex Ultra, Laren and Tobias and all those guys. Go get yourself some of that Apex Ultra. It's your, you, it's dynamite stuff. I gotta, I gotta, and when I get the chance to use it, I want to. I can't wait. I think that it's interesting because. I would say too, for me, forging is my favorite thing to do. Like, yeah. I, honestly, I love making tongs. I love making hammers. I love making tongs. The part about making tongs I like is that you're forging the whole way, and then by the end, you're done. And I think that the reason why a lot of blacksmiths like the forging part, especially like a camp knife or the Linray X-ray knife, is you're in this you're in this flow state the whole way. You're not stopping to you're not stopping for the handle material, and then you get to the bandsaw, and you got to get to the drill press, and then you're waiting for the glue to dry. You're not in this choppy motion to make this knife you you're in this flow state all the way up until all right the knife's forged it's forged to finish whatever you're all you have to do is heat treat it and grind it and you're done there is something probably very relaxing about the fact that it's not this jumping around to this machine and jumping around to that machine and we have to wait for this and we have to wait for that yeah. and there's not the sanding and there's the bullshit it's 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 much more you're much more in tune with the project that you're making yeah, that and 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 I also think uh, I mean the majority of of bladesmiths probably get into blacksmithing or bladesmithing because of the romance behind it. I mean, they they see a YouTube right. video, they see fire, they see see glowing steel that gets um, shaped by a hammer, pretty rough, coarse, you know, uh, sparks, all that shit. And uh, I think I think um, they get into it because of those reasons. But really, the knife making is fun for them mainly because of yeah. the forging. So it's not just the float state. It's 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 just. I mean, yeah, it's 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 really w one of the most fun part. I mean, who enjoys grinding a knife? I I've yet to come to a knife maker who enjoys actively enjoys grinding a knife. You you like to see the finish finish of it maybe, but the 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 actual grinding isn't fun whereas blacksmithing yeah exactly whereas blacksmithing is fun in the moment it might be challenging and you might run into problems and you you know all that but still the forging i don't know i don't know why either i couldn't i couldn't tell you why forging is more fun than grinding it it, it hasn't much rationale I... behind it well, there, you know, the, it, I think, I, I mean, I, I'll take a stab at it. I mean, the grinding, grinding and machining. I mean, I find grinding and machining to kind of, when you're hand grinding something on a 2x72 grit, a 2x72 belt uh, grinder, you're, you're, it's very close to machining. It's very close to yep. machining because you're trying to make everything accurate. You're grinding accurately on both sides. So there isn't a whole lot of ability to be freeform. Mm -hmm. Not really being freeform. You're being exact to a certain degree. You know that you need the blade to be in the middle, and you know that you need to do the same side on one side, you do the other, and you know that if you get too tight to the edges, you're going to get gouges, and you've got to take those gouges out, and then you have to kind of make up for that. 
there is much more of a uh, it's much more disciplined in terms of you don't have a lot of options to be a little bit more freeform. But when you're forging, it's performative. And there are things that are going to happen differently every single time, unless you're like, a, you know, one of these monsters like like uh, Jake Ferrum or Pat Quinn or mm-hmm. Cliff Dufton who are like, everything is like, there are no deviations whatsoever. Yeah. You know, there's some guys who are like, when they forge, there are no deviations. We are so doing clean. this. So clean. Yeah. And it, right. But when you're forging in general, you can start at different areas. I was actually thinking about actually over at uh, New England, uh, the New England School of Metalwork just had a battle of the bladesmiths this past weekend and there were everybody out there and they were doing kind of forge and fire but it was it's how to make a knife in two hours okay Fuck. And, <laughs> yeah well these guys i mean dude shout out to those i mean that was like a that was like a that was i mean matt parkinson was there and emiliano was there and mace fatal and nick nick anger and, and nick rossi and 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 noah vachon all those guys are all around there watching these guys make a knife with a with a with a guard with a guard in two hours. Oh. He treated tempered in two hours. I don't get it. <laughs> well, you know, so I was walking the dogs and I was thinking, if I were to do that, what would I do? And one of the things that I love that Nick Rossi does is he does these, and I'm kind of thinking that you could fall into that category too. I'm not, he does these hot forged bolsters. Mm-hmm. So he'll have your bolster no, no. and then he will make the, he'll make the, the, the punch and the drift the exact size of the tang. The, the tang going into the ricasso. So you, 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 know, you hot forge the hole, and then you drive on the hot uh, oh. bolster, and then use a monkey tool to drive it to make a tight fit. Yeah, I thought he uses the knife blank for that. He makes um, a separate punch? He's got a, I th- they, they got a punch. He's, you have to have a punch to get close. But, uh, yeah, close, but the final fit is done with the knife blank, right? The, I, the final fit, I believe, yeah. seeing what he does, I believe that he'll stick the yeah. knife facing the tang side up into yeah. a vice, and then he'll get the tang hot, he'll put it on top, and then with like a, with a, with a yeah. pipe that fits yeah. exactly, he'll drive it on to make yeah, a tight that's fit. That's how I would do it, too. So that, that was my so, thing. <laughs> so here's the thing about blacksmithing, yeah. right? So I'm thinking about, like, if I have to make a knife in two hours, yeah. and I'm going to do... With a, with a fitted guard. I'm not going to machine a guard. I'm not drilling holes and then filing a fucking no, guard. We got to do this in two hits. You got to knock the hole. You got to drift it to fit to the size. You got to, you know, you need three heats. You need three heats for the fitted guard. You got two hours to make this knife. So then I'm starting to think, well, then if that's the case, I'm not even going to forge. I'm going to forge the tang first. I'm going to forge the tang first. Then I'm going to drill. I'm gonna, then I'm going to hot punch the the uh, hot punch the guard, and then hot drive in on the thing, and then make and then make the and then make the blade at the end. And I started well, to realize that that's the thing of a blacksmithing because you have that ability to be free form to a certain degree. You know, you when you're grinding, you can only go one way. But when you're forging, you could decide, oh, I'm just going to foot. Well, I mean, perfect example is when Lin Ray makes the x-ray knife. He does not make the blade first. He make he focuses the whole, t- the tang completely is the first thing. Yeah, of course. And I then mean... when he, and when he draws it out, he's actually not, he doesn't finish the, the rolling over that tang until the very end. So he's not using tongs anymore. So all of a sudden he draws the, he does the whole thing. He puts everything together and then he's holding the, the tail. He calls it the rat tail, a beaver tail. He's holding that instead of using tongs. 
see, that's the thing with blacksmithing is you have these abilities to say, okay, we, we don't have to do the blade first. We could do the tang first. Oh, wait a little. He, and then, he, doesn't, he doesn't finish his handle, so he, he has it extended, and then he forges so the blade? He starts the he starts the first thing he does is he he establishes the the handle the tail yeah, exactly yeah. the handle, and then he forges it out, yeah. and then he gets everything done, yeah. and then he stops using tongs, turns it around, and then forges the blade. Okay. Afterwards, I was I was of the impression. Uh, I mean, my my approach would have been, but <laughs> it's it's smart because I wouldn't have thought of that. Uh, because my stupid ass would have um, probably finished the handle as a whole, riveted it, and then yeah. had problems holding it and pro probably making marks on the handle, right. on the finished handle, with yeah. the tongs. That's right. And, and, I would, That's yeah, right. and he's, he's smart about uh, like forging the blade with the handle extended and then... That's that's a smart move. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, see, that's the thing about a black. I mean, this is the reason why blacksmiths are the best, because there's problem solving based on the decisions that you ha you have in front of you. Like perfect example is your handles. You needed to figure out a way to be able to etch the butt cap and attach it to the knife without any problems. See, these are the reasons why the blacksmiths are the best because they're not they're not married to these things you do this first and you do this first and you do this first i mean you're doing battle of bladesmiths you got two hours to make a knife with a fitted guard maybe you're not going to do maybe you're not going to do the blade first the tip first maybe you're going to make that tang first yeah. and then you're going to hear the you're going to hear the guys he's making the tang first i wonder why and then some of them are going to know <laughs> because then you you don't have a lot of time and you got you can't fool around you need three heats to make that fit this is the reason why blacksmithing is the best that's why people like it so much because there are these nuanced ideas that you can have to create the you know get to the final outcome yeah and i mean blacksmithing general i think especially with bladesmiths what sometimes i don't know um what's important to me at least is that it that it makes sense in 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 in, in the um i i, I Even though I like blacksmithing and and I'm searching for ways to do more, like with the monolith knives, um, still I try to make the blacksmithing part um, a necessity in the sense of that it makes sense. You know, I'm I'm forging the right. taper, I'm forging oversize, and what I what I, I wouldn't forge the profile because because it, it's inefficient and it, it doesn't benefit anything, except that it would make the it would it would um, like um, Uh, increase the labor on the knife and and increase the right. the price, but it wouldn't it wouldn't make a difference to the customer. So I I like to think of blacksmithing still, even though many people just see the romantic side of it. I like to see the blacksmithing as a necessity or or as at least as a thing that makes sense. Not a necessity, but yeah. for what I do a necessity. Because imagine uh, grinding a knife out of um, a quarter inch thick uh or six millimeter thick stock and 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 having it you know grinding grinding it out the kitchen knife uh you would you would lose two two thirds of the material uh right. grinding it away that that's no fun so forging is more efficient well, in those regards and and there's so much behind that though there's so much i mean the i mean the, the real amazing part is back in the day there wasn't these places where you could just order steel. You had to make it with sand from the beach. So you have this very limited amount of material yeah. and you have to figure out ways in which to use it the best. You know, like not doing full tang knives, making, you know, embedding the, you know, embedding the lousy part of the knife into the handle. <laughs> I like to think about when I honestly, to me, for, for culinary knives, 
the I think that the integral knife is the blacksmith knife because it's one of the only knives that I mean it would like you were saying if you had to grind a, a integral knife out of an inch block of steel yeah. just to get that bolster you're out of your mind I mean you legitimately you've lost your mind I mean that is a complete waste of material but there are people do it yeah I know there are people I, know. Who I, just, I just was about to say. <laughs> There are people who do it. There are people who do it, and it's like it's. I mean, God bless you if you want to do whatever it takes. No, but you're right. But it is. It's it's, it's it, it it has its charm in that you know um, it has to be um, forged. Uh, and 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 right. and uh, I also love if if people make it clean like Mareko Mareko um, Mamazi. Um, uh, I mean, it's Damascus, so you know it's forged, but still, it's it's very clean, and. You, if 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 he wouldn't etch it, you couldn't tell except for that that bolster, you know. Right. And and I like that about I, the integral. That's one of the other great, dis, the great personality general. I'm general being. I'm generalizing the personality differences between blacksmiths and bladesmiths. Most blacksmiths I know don't care about Damascus at all. Yeah. They have no. I mean. I was at the Center for Metal Arts for four, five years. We didn't even hear the word pattern welding. Yeah. I had no idea, nor did I really care, to be honest with you, because I was more interested in what it looked like on the outside. You know, we're making railings, or we're texturing things, or we're making pickets, and you want it to—you don't want it to look shiny. You want it to look like it was made by a hand. And what's interesting is, is still to this day, I love Damascus. I have a great appreciation for people who do it, but. Back in the back in my mind, I'm just like I kind of want to see some forged steel and just be. That's really all I want to do. You know, all I want. I don't really. I just. It's not for me at this moment. And I think that there's. I think that it's interesting seeing the dis. The, you know, when I was talking to Pat Quinn, I was saying, you know, blacksmiths like the outside, and he and bladesmiths like the inside. He goes, well, I like the inside because he, he was saying that he likes the way the material moves from the core of the material. What I was getting at is is bladesmiths and guys who do pattern welded stuff like to take away all that outside stuff to to see this kind of crystal clear very precise material yeah. i mean yeah I'm, I'm 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 pretty much like you i think because i don't care so much about damascus either um but i can appreciate when when i see really nice made knives like i don't know nick nick anderson or or nanda or or salem straw oh, yeah. or like, like yeah. i said mamazi um or xerxes he's great too i mean he's he's a, he's kind of a legend um i i can appreciate what what how much work goes into it and and when people are really sophisticated with it um I I can appreciate that from a crafts perspective, and I can I can see how other people really like that, and and but yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't I personally wouldn't wouldn't want to make it either. Um, it's just not for me. But I think I think that's not really conflicting either. I no. you know I, like like you you can I think I'm pretty sure you can also appreciate it yet don't want to do it. Right, I or... wonder. I, I, I appreciate yeah. it. I think it's amazing, yeah. and I and and it is totally amazing. I wonder if we kind of step back to what we're talking about in terms of the blacksmithing is the most fun because you're in this flow state from beginning to end. Maybe the maybe that there's too much waiting around with 
Damascus for us. And I, I, I'll talk about me. I won't talk about <laughs> you. I'll, I'll save my. Maybe for me, there's too much waiting and waiting and cutting and grinding and going back and forth and the stacking and the maybe subconsciously it's just because I made one block with uh, Aaron Wilburn and it was forge it and then let it cool down and then cut it in mm-hmm. half and then grind away the stuff and then put it back together and do it again and do it again maybe subconsciously maybe subconsciously I just don't have the patience for it I wonder because I because I really like it's just like I think about it and I have uh, Marekos gave me one of his posters for the Maelstrom Mosaic Damascus and I have one bar that I started but it's like I just don't know if I just don't know I, it doesn't there's something about it that I, I don't maybe I don't have the patience for it maybe that's what it is I mean I can tell you what it is with me because I I mean I I don't I don't I don't enjoy being mediocre too much so either if if I would involve myself into it I would I would try to compete with the compete is the wrong word because you know our community is really great and and uh, yeah. I, I I don't I don't really like to think to uh, as a competition within each other but you know what I mean uh, like a friendly competition or like um, being on a certain level being seen on a certain level it's it's not necessarily a competition in a in a bad way but I, I, I understand yeah, I would I would want to try to be on their level and I I doubt uh, that that I could be or or um, that I could involve myself into that part. So I think it's it's just covered to me for one. And and the other thing is, um, I mean I don't know if it if it would fit my knives. There's a lot is that going an on Austrian th- already. Is that an Austrian thing? Uh, you think? Uh, you think there's a little bit of Austrian? That's an Austrian characteristic. I don't know. <laughs> we Austrians. I, it's not. I mean, I'm. I'm. My grandfather's Austrian. I don't feel that at all. So maybe it is. Maybe it's not genetic at all. But I mean, I'm wondering. Maybe that's like a learned thing because I can imagine. I. I actually. Uh, there's a guy who's coming down to this class I'm going to be at with uh, with Tomer at Florentine Kitchen Knives, and he's from. He's Swiss. Mm-hmm. Swiss. Swiss. And we, he came to the class before, and he's just like, I want it to be like this. He, he was very much along like, it's got to be, I have to be perfect. He had never made a knife, and I said to him, like, look, listen, you've got to manage your own expectations. You have to be able to accept the fact that this is not going to be exactly the way Comer makes them. You, you, you've never done this before. Yeah. And he says, that's not good enough for me because I'm Swiss. <laughs> and it was a whole big thing. He was just like, you don't understand. I'm Swiss. That's unacceptable. That's an unacceptable answer. And it wasn't joking either. He was. I was like, all right, all right, Mr. Swiss, I'm gonna get you squared away because I don't want you to have like a you know a mini stroke in the shop because it's not exactly the way it's supposed to be. But it was this. I wonder. Maybe that's a thing. Maybe that's a Austrian thing. No, I mean I don't know. I mean there there surely are some stereotypes, but <laughs> like. Rationally speaking, I don't. I don't think there's much truth to them. But <laughs> if, okay. we, if we entertain right, we'll that, that, that thought, <laughs> I think maybe some some German, Swiss, Austrian, um, uh, I don't know, weird stuff is going on there. <laughs> it's possible. We cleared it up. It's okay. We cleared it up. We're fine. Ask the question. We cleared it up. No problem. No problem. I guess that there's this. You know, there's. I, I think it's. It, I would. I can understand how you feel about like wanting to be at a certain level you know right out of the gate and knowing that there's going to be this 
not, I mean, you're on the cover of Blade magazine for Christ's sakes. I mean, it's just like now it's like, I can't, you know, I can't, you know, you can't have inclusions in the, in the, I can't make a feather to mash maskus with the, some inclusions. And you no, know, it's just the way it is. Why? Well, I, I, for me, it's more along the lines of, and this is an age thing. You're born 1988. I was born 1973. I'm far more now. I'm far more in tune with, Allowing myself to grow, allowing myself to kind of step back and be more of a student. Like I'm perfectly happy. I don't even like to be in these positions of being any kind of expert because I still feel like I'm still this concept of a student. I just know how to talk on a podcast and then I've, we put the time in on knife talk. So now I've kind of bare, I've, I've dug my own grave, honestly. (laughs) Um, but at the same time, it's like, I'm looking forward to that growth down the line. Where I can, you know, get involved with some Damascus and get involved with that but, stuff. I'm surprised you haven't done any Damascus. But, I, for some reason, I feel like I've seen. No, no, I, I've made a work. collaboration with Martin Huber. Um, okay. That was a Damascus knife. But um, what what I wanted to say is, um, I think that's 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 a really good attitude. I think um, when people uh, um, like lose the willingness to learn or or put themselves into too high regards or how do you say it um take themselves for too important that's that's right. truly right. not a good thing so i i appreciate your attitude and and i can can only like mm, l- look up to that or aspire to that because um it's really a great attitude to, to have um being the expert uh to some degree is surely not not bad but i think you shouldn't think of yourself like that necessarily because it, it puts you in a, in a in a corner and um but oh, well, i have a question to you because you say um you you was born in uh, you've been born in 73 but you're you're um like um oh you're gonna here comes the old jokes no, Go no, ahead. your, Go your ahead. logo says gf72 <laughs> right is it the free no no 72 no, there's no there's no numbers no, There's you, no numbers on the don't on you? logo. No, Just no, no, not the, not the knife making, not the maker's punch, but uh, you write uh, on the on the watercolors GF seventy two. No, mm, no, I do no, no. Well, no, you know, it's it's my, the fader yeah. is the signature of the fader turns into it looks like a squiggle. Oh my god! I had, you know, <laughs> the funny thing is my, my old man. My no, no, it's all good. My my old man, my old man used to teach my sisters and I the way to paint your signature on paintings. Yeah. So I have like three different signatures, and the the signature I used to sign, sign on paintings was the one that he taught me how to do, and then I used to do something else, and then what I sign the watercolors with is like, and what I sign other things with is now this the mixture between the watercolor signature and something else, but it definitely looks like seventy two. You're not wrong. Okay, you're and wrong, I was thinking it's, it's, because it's like I G, thought that's, that's about your your age, and I was thinking it's your. No. Ah, <laughs> I try to hide my age. I try to hide my age as, as often as I can. I don't grow a, a beard. <laughs> I'm jeez, thanks. No, no, no you're damn I mean, right. I'm not. You're talking. You're, you're damn right. I'm right. Damn. I, so listen, I'm not. That's one of the reasons why. This is one of the things I never understand. I see these guys are 20 years old with these long, unruly beards, and I turn to them. And I'm like, "How old are you?" And they're like, "I'm 21." I'm like, "Why do you want to look like you're 50?" You know, that's the last thing you won't see me with a beard because I'm too. I don't want to show all my white, all my white hairs on my face. I didn't. I didn't. I don't put me like I was rude. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
was a good one. Let's, you know what? Listen, back it off because it was a good one. It was a good shot, and I appreciate a good shot. Yeah, Cheers to you because that was a good one. That was a good one. That was a good one. So what's next for Come On Knives? You don't mind people saying Cayman Knives. I, I don't, think everyone I don't thinks it's Cayman. It sounds cool. <laughs> I, assume that it was, I assume that it wasn't Cayman Knives only because I'm like, I don't think they say Cayman in Austria. No, but, but so it's Come On. Come On. I, I mean, who, who, would, come who would expect, uh, like, I, I wouldn't expect someone to speak, like, German. So how, right. how, how would I care? We, um, as long We're as I know really. uh, you're talking about me, it's it's totally fine how you call me, and if it is schnooky, it's well, okay yeah. too. Americans are not known for our multi. We're not. I mean, you're English. <laughs> you were so worried about your 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 English. I was like, <sighs> it's going to be way better than this. And you, you're you've really undersold how well <laughs> you speak English. By the way, we can't. I can't speak a lick of German. I can't speak a lick of Spanish. And any of it. Somebody said to me, he's like, you're going to go to Spain to teach a class. How's your Spanish? I said nothing. <laughs> so I'll be. I mean, I'm on the. You know, I'm going to be riding. I'm going to be riding on the English Express. Yeah, I mean, but truly, I mean, I would expect most people to speak a little English. It's just. You know, it's 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 kind of universal in that sense, and um, so I wouldn't expect you to speak Spanish just because you're visiting um, Toma in a shop. I should I should speak a little Spanish. My wife speaks Spanish. I mean, you could, you could you could fit something in, like greet them in Spanish. <laughs> that was that would be fun. <laughs> I think that they, I think that people like that I have a New York accent. So I'm just gonna stick with that. I'm gonna stick with the New York <laughs> accent. And that's about it. So what's next for you? What do you got on the chopping uh, block? What are we, what are we up to next? I mean, mainly, you know, I'm, I'm trying to work off my custom orders to finally open my books again. I think I didn't open my books since two years or something like that. Um, uh, yeah, other than that, I'm I'm trying to build some monolith knives, and I'm having a a cool uh, or two cool projects in the in the recent batch. I don't want to talk about too much, but okay. it's it's something okay. new. Um, so if we join the newsletter, people join your newsletter, yeah, they'll get the yeah, inside track. Yeah, that might help. <laughs> right. Um, Will there ever be a Damascus? A Damascus. Uh, uh, monolith knife. Where the Dam- Damascus is made by me, not in. Uh, no, not, you know, maybe not. M- maybe maybe by someone I mean, else. Maybe within the co- collaboration, but uh, Damascus made by me, surely not in in the foreseeable, foreseeable time. Um, yeah, but but maybe in a collaboration. I couldn't. I couldn't really. Possibly. I mean. Maybe, All right. Maybe. Well, I'm just I'm I'm going to put this out there because I know that Joshua Prince has been he's, he's been dabbling great. in the monolith style. Maybe that's your combination. Maybe he makes the steel and you make the monolith. I mean, I'm just putting it out there in the universe. Steel, I didn't I didn't even think, uh, think of that. But he's one of those makers. You know, you can you can put your favorite mark on the Instagram stuff. So you know that you you can uh, you can choose your favorite um uh, the people okay. you follow you can put a star on them and, okay. and and then you will see them first in your feed and he's one of those 10 uh, makers i'm having in my, uh, i'm following who who has has that within my feed so i really admire his work and uh because i mean it's so it's so it's so different than yeah from what you usually well, see and I'm- Joshua also works for FedEx, so maybe maybe we can make sure we can get some. So, Josh, I know you're listening. I know you're listening. 
You should get some of that steel over to Ben. <laughs> we have something going on here. Because, I mean, you know, that's the one thing that Lynn says is he's never made, he's never made a Damascus x-ray knife. And the reason why is is because he says that it just wouldn't look correct because it's supposed to be about the forging. And you don't see those kind of like the transitions and the geometry and the, the subtle movements and stuff like that. And he just he said to me, I've never done one because I just don't think that it would be correct. But you're not Lynn Ray. Maybe that's the I'm, move. Maybe you need to get a little bit bananas. I'm absolutely not and, worried and about the that. the die grinder. Yeah, I'm not worried about that. The die grinder gets you... So. Get yourself some sanding paper and really go to town on one of them. All right, just oh, put yeah, it out there. Yeah, you're adding pressure. I see. <laughs> that's, a, that's how it, I mean, I don't normally do it, but all of a sudden I was just like, yeah, you know what? <laughs> We're finishing up the show, put a little pressure on at the end. We've had a good time. <laughs> so you got some new projects coming up. Will we ever see Ben come on at Blade Show in the United States? Not, 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 not right now. You know, I have two small okay. boys. One is six, and one is, and the other one is two. And and it's just Toma invited me too. I I would have so much fun seeing you guys in person. Really, I I, I like Toma a lot, and 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 uh, I I would have really enjoyed uh, meeting you in person. Uh, but it's just not the time right now. Maybe when my right. kids are older, but right now it's so so stressful. I appreciate the invitations and everything, and 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 I would really enjoy seeing all the guys in person on Blade and and events like Thomas, but it it would be just too much right now. I'm just telling you right now, you walk in the Cobb Center in Atlanta, <laughs> you're going to be like Mick Jagger. <laughs> I'm telling you, the custom guys are going to be like. We need. Well, I got to get a picture with him. I'm telling you. I'm just saying. I mean, I'm just, uh, I'm just putting oh, it out there. Maybe I- <laughs> Ben, Ben, come on, come on, knives. You know him. You better follow him. You better know this is the way it is. Cover Blade Magazine. Shout out to Sharp Eye Coop for, for, for that for that one. That was a dynamite one. Go follow Ben on uh, on Instagram. It's come on K A M O N underscore knives on instagram and i think you do a lot more do you do a lot more on facebook no no instagram. is there a difference instagram between the main thing okay yeah. okay okay thank you so much ben for your your struggling through this goddamn uh, the technology you did an awesome job <laughs> i appreciate i want to have you back on i want to have you back on we had a good time and i really appreciate you being here i really enjoyed talking to you i mean It was a great honor, and thanks for having me. Pleasure was all mine. All right, guys, we will see you next week. Thanks again, Ben. Bye. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. (laughs) 